Ambassador Joseph Wilson has been at the center of a storm that's affected the Bush administration. He was the acting head of the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad after Saddam Hussein invaded Iraq in 1990 and later served as ambassador to the African nation of Gabon. Early in his Foreign Service career, he served the U.S. State Department in Niger. Thus, he was uniquely qualified to investigate the allegation that that nation had sold uranium to the Iraqis. And this he did at the behest of the Office of the Vice President in March 2002. His report was one of several that debunked documents alleging such a sale. They turned out to be forgeries. When the Bush administration later said it was unaware of this report being repudiated, Ambassador Wilson decided he must clear the air on this issue. After all, the President's remarks in his State of the Union address and those of Colin Powell before the UN were critical in swaying public opinion behind a war in Iraq. Joseph Wilson feels that going to war is serious business and should be done only when based upon clear evidence that it is necessary. When the misrepresentations of the administration were exposed, and Ambassador Wilson's name was going to be associated with their exposure, he elected to come forth. In the end, it had to be admitted by the Bush administration that these statements were misrepresentations. And while the public was well served by this clarification, Joe Wilson has had to pay the price for his honesty. Administration sources then leaked the fact that his wife, Valerie Plame, was a covert agent of the Central Intelligence Agency in an act of nasty political payback. The trouble is doing this was not just a nasty thing to do, it's flagrantly illegal. It has caused a storm to erupt, and here to talk about that is Ambassador Joseph Wilson. Welcome back to Radio Parallax. It's great to be back with you guys. Uh, We remind our listeners that you were kind enough to speak to us in November, at which time you said you'd be happy to talk to us again as matters progressed in the coming months. And the months have passed, matters have progressed, and as a man of your word, here you are with us again. And not only that, but I have a feeling that I might be coming out there to be with you guys at some point. Well, we hope you will. We hope we can actually uh, meet you in the flesh. Look forward to it. Um, In your excellent book, which is now out, The Politics of Truth, you describe December 2003. You were with us in November. The next month, you describe that as the beginning of what you call Vindication Month, starting with the Washington Post report on those Bush State of the Union claims. Tell us about that. Well, I think the beginning in uh, whatever month it was that I started for Vindication Month, you had uh, you had the President, your Secretary of State, uh, and a number of other people beginning to acknowledge that, uh, gee, maybe things weren't quite as a as they suggested. I think actually I'd, I'd begin the date by when uh, when the special counsel was um, was uh, was named, uh, because after all, at that point, it then becomes clear that the administration or that that they are forced to deal with this seriously, the leak of my wife's name. But more to the point, um, we get down to where um, where it's very clear that some of these things that have been trotted out to the American people uh, are just being demonstrated right and left not to be accurate. Weapons of mass destruction, you had uh, David Kay coming back and said we were all wrong. Uh, you had um, on the on the terrorism charge, you have you know, just absolutely no indication of operational ties to al-Qaeda and you have the president himself beginning to talk about um, about reasons for war that are not related to our own national security concerns. Well, they certainly have uh, moved away from that position. And, of course, the position I took, and we discussed this last time I was on your show, from the very beginning, was that when a government um, makes the solemn decision in our name uh, to send uh, our sons and daughters off to kill and to die for us, we as a society have an obligation. We have an obligation to those people wearing our uniform 
to ensure that we understand fully and agree as to why we're sending them out there, out there, out there to do this for us. Well, we'd recommend uh, your book, if for nothing else, the chapter you tell about when you were acting ambassador in Baghdad at the start of the, uh, the first Gulf conflict and how, all the, how important all these issues were to you and what was going on. And thank you. And, it, of course, it was that experience that brought me back into this debate after four years of retirement from public life. Uh, it was basically because I thought that I had some experience that was relevant to our understanding of what some of the unintended consequences might be. Of, uh, of our invading, conquering, and occupying Iraq, and, and why that might not, in fact, be the best way to get at uh, uh, the issue that the president was then uh, describing for us, the threat of weapons of mass destruction. Yes. We, uh, we've, since we've spoken, you had Robert Greenwald on. You're, you're in his ec- excellent uh, documentary, Uncovered. Yeah, I was actually just out in Cannes, France, uh, uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, the um, uh, the documentary was shown not in competition, but on the side of the competition, and mm-hmm. we were out there promoting that so that more people would see it. The other documentary that I've been in recently that is out now is uh, Bush's Brain, which is with Jim <laughs> I Moore. I haven't heard about that one. That one talks about uh, Karl Rove and the influence of Karl Rove on the administration. Well, he's a man I don't think we could talk enough about. He needs to be uh, needs to be discussed. We should understand him. Uh, he's a product of the Donald Segretti uh, uh, era of dirty tricks. Uh, Donald Segretti was a dirty tricks master in the in the uh, mm-hmm. in the Nixon administration. Uh, Rove grew up in that world, and uh, that is what he has brought to the White House. And this is precisely what these guys have uh, have done uh, uh, to Valerie, a dirty trick, uh, and now it has backfired in a big way on them. I was surprised to read that you were actually rather well disposed toward uh, uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, and uh, donated money to his campaign and then watched what happened in South Carolina as he went after John McCain in a rather scurrilous fashion. And, uh, and, and for you, it was sort of a prelude to what, what was going to happen to you later. Well, as it turns out, I never, I never really thought about it until I, started, until I started writing the book. And I realized that to a certain extent, John McCain and I had the same experience with this administration. Uh, before he went to um, uh, South Carolina, I thought that George Bush would be the better Republican candidate, and uh, my loyalty is really to democracy rather than, first and foremost, before it's either party, um, or certainly was then. Um, now I don't, I don't brook much with the with the Republicans. We should perhaps reiterate that you have served both Republican and Democratic administrations. Sure. The one thing that people have a tendency to forget because of the way that they've tried to define me, the right has tried to define me, is that my first and only political appointment requiring Senate confirmation was uh, for George Herbert Walker Bush. Well, the Justice Department has taken up the matter of investigating the leaking of your wife's name. John Ashcroft recused himself from the case, which is proceeding in rather tortoise-like fashion, I've observed. Um, we read that Dick Cheney was questioned just last week by federal prosecutors. Um, does the U.S. Attorney Patrick Fitzgerald have your confidence in this investigation? Yes, certainly. I think uh, Pat Fitzgerald is a very serious guy. He's a professional. Um, I don't know what his politics are, but I, you can be sure that he puts his professional responsibilities above any any partisan politics. The fact that they haven't been able to close this um, investigation, bring it to closure yet, is a direct consequence of the White House stonewalling and essentially obstructing justice. There's no other way to to describe it. Now, John Dean uh, takes up the case of, of your wife uh, at, at some length in his Worse Than Watergate. He called it, um, the situation, quote, one of the dirtiest tricks I've seen in low-ball, hardball politics. He said that on, on this show that he feels that you would have recourse to the legal system if the Justice Department investigation doesn't go as, as well as it should. Are you, have you looked down the road at that at all? 
Well, what we have, have really tried to emphasize through all this is we're not, first and foremost, the victims. Uh, the victims are the United States and the, all the citizens of the country who suffer because it's the national security of the United States has been, that has been uh, um, compromised. Uh, uh, before our own security, our own lives have been compromised. It's important to keep that in, in mind. As a consequence, we don't want to do anything that detracts from from uh, getting to the bottom of this from a national security perspective. Uh, after uh, or when uh, the Justice Department's investigation has run its course, then we'll decide um, uh, what our long-term um, interests are and what we want to do. I would say that we do have long-term uh, goals, uh, and uh, having Bob Novak's uh, Corvette convertible in, um, in, in on my wife's side of the garage might well be one of them. <laughs> Very good. How, how is your wife holding up in all this? She's seen a 20-year career is, as a covert operative working on things like weapons of mass destruction uh, tossed out the window. Well, that's right. Um, but, of course, you don't do her business without understanding how to manage stressful situations, and she's holding up marvelously. Thank you. And I was surprised to learn that she actually did appear in the Vanity Fair. I assumed that was a model they were they were putting putting next to you. Well, we have never said, um, uh, <laughs> but uh, she basically whoever is in that picture is generic blonde. Very good. Uh, and as I like to point out, uh, uh, Laura Ingraham and Ann Coulter have as much to worry about with that picture being in Vanity Fair as my wife does. The book is The Politics of Truth. The author is Ambassador Joseph Wilson. You note in the book that um, while you were in Baghdad, it was important when speaking with like Tarek Aziz, you were trying to get a lot of Americans out, people that were in Kuwait, moving them through the country into Turkey, etc., into Jordan, whatever, and that uh, you were assured that Americans would be treated in accordance with the Geneva Conventions, and apparently they were. How do you react as a career member of the, of the um, Foreign Service to these revelations of U.S. prisoners deliberately not being treated according to Geneva Conventions? Well, let me put it this way. Um, we use the Geneva Convention and the Vienna Convention as the justification for every uh, démarche we made, every representation we made on behalf of American citizens over there. And we excoriated the Iraqis on, on those issues. Um, now, for us to have willingly gone outside the Vienna Convention, the Geneva Convention in particular, as it relates to the, to the torture of uh, of prisoners at Abu Ghraib. I think that makes our ability to protect Americans that much more difficult. Um, in addition to which, uh, you know, when Americans now are taken by foreign militaries, uh, will we, will they, will those foreign militaries uh, treat our citizens as we've been treating uh, some of these prisoners at Abu Ghraib? Uh, it is a real dilemma. It should not be um, taken lightly. Um, uh, just because of uh, we entered into these treaties because these treaties protect us. Uh, quite apart from that, of course, uh, the idea that American troops uh, would be torturing um, uh, foreign uh, prisoners is anathema to everything we stand for and everything we have stood for for many, many years. It uh, it seems that they're trying to. Uh, there's been a great effort to say this is the result of some bad apples in the low end of of the military scheme, um, but this couldn't have gone on without approval from higher ups. Any well, I on certainly that? have argued uh, that there is a political chain of command in this. This is a scandal of international importance. It is a stain on our international relations. 
uh, and our international reputation. And I've argued for um, a month now that uh, Don Rumsfeld should not resign. He should be fired uh, because the political chain of command goes right up to his office and to him personally. That's what one does in a great democracy when there's a scandal involving uh, one's government. Well, you've been an outspoken critic uh, of the way which we're conducting this, the, our current occupation in Iraq, and you've, you've written about that. What, what, what are the most important steps you think we should take right now to improve matters? Well, I think that um, the pretty most of the windows of opportunity have closed on us. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what they're able to um, to generate out of the G8 summit in uh, in Georgia this weekend. But first and foremost, I think we need to take all the necessary steps to ensure that we're not unnecessarily losing American kids anymore. And uh, one of the things that's very clear is that the Rumsfeld Doctrine has been an absolute disaster. There have been way too many Americans unnecessarily killed because of this idea that somehow we could occupy territory with fewer troops. Um, and, and that needs to be reversed. So we need to focus first and foremost on force protection. Yeah. There's only two ways of doing that. One, you garrison the troops so they're never exposed to hostile elements. Or two, you reinforce the force by, by putting not just more troops in there, but also more military equipment, more hard armor, M1 tanks and Bradley fighting vehicles. Um, and then the second thing we absolutely need to do is internationalize it. And we're not going to be able to do that with this crowd. They have no credibility, um, and they have uh, they have no leverage with the international community. You uh, you were the last person of the, of the U.S. government to uh, to to deal with Saddam Hussein before the first Gulf War. Any any thoughts about his uh, being being captured? Well, like everybody else, it's it's um, I'm, I'm pleased. My first initial thoughts when I saw him were that. Uh, where I was, I, I thought about all the American hostages and all the foreign hostages who were held there during the first Gulf War, and and secondly, I was certainly pleased that uh, that the Iraqi population will no longer have to suffer under his brutal tyranny. Um, if there's going to be a trial, one would hope that it would be fair and uh, and not just a not Judge Roy Bean type trial. We read that George Bush is consulting an attorney about about the issue of your wife. Uh, do you think he's worried that the, this this whole matter rises to the level of, of an impeachable offense, as does John Dean? Well, you know, a criminal defense attorney is not usually the first one that you call, unless you've actually been arrested, fingerprinted, and sent for your mug shots. Uh, the first attorney you call is going to be your personal attorney, and uh, you will lay out the facts to your personal attorney. And your personal attorney then tells you, well, sleep easy, you've got nothing to worry about. Or he says, hmm, I think you need special help. You need a specialist in this. And I suspect that that's where we are, that, that uh, the president has laid out his uh, case to his personal attorney who has suggested that they have a criminal defense attorney. That's not to say the president is vulnerable, but uh, I find it very surprising that he would find need to um, go into his own pocket to pay for a criminal defense attorney. You stated what you thought uh, had, had the public needed to know about um, about matters regarding uh, Niger and uranium and, and misrepresentations in the State of the Union speech. You you wrote an op-ed piece about that. You thought that would be the end of it, and yet uh, this has now become something you never expected with your wife being involved. Uh, do you see being pulled into politics over this? Is that a possibility? Well, I you know, whatever one thinks of politicians, politicians work really hard. And um, I live in the district where we don't have a vote, so I would have to find a place to live that would have me. And my home, of course, is California. Um, and to be a politician from California here in Washington, you would have to commute um, mm -hmm. uh, a long way across the country every weekend. With two four-year-old twins, I think that's probably that's probably not likely. 
We have had some interesting newcomers to California politics of late, though. And I am not an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Ambassador Wilson, it's been been a pleasure speaking with you once again. And uh, anything else you'd care to say to our audience before we before we sign off? Well, only that uh, being a, being a, an old time uh, resident of Lake Tahoe and uh, and uh, of San Francisco, I used to come through uh, Davis a lot. Davis and Sacramento on my way up to the lake and on my way down to the uh, down to the city. So it's a great part of California, a state that I love, a state I grew up in. So uh, I look forward to spending more time there in the future. You basically are a UC uh, UC grad yourself. That's right. I'm a UC Santa Barbara graduate. Proud of it. Right. Proving back here on the East Coast that you don't have to be an Ivy Leaguer to get yourself into trouble. The book is The Politics of Truth, Inside the Lies That Led to War and Betrayed My Wife's CIA Identity by Ambassador Joseph Wilson. Terrific. Good right. talk to you. you. Bye-bye. Well, you can see why he was an ambassador. He's a very pleasant man to talk to. I don't think it really, uh, and I feel bad about this, I don't think we really uh, covered what a funny guy uh, the ambassador can be. However, if you get a copy of Politics of Truth, you will enjoy many of his uh, anecdotes in there about his early career and particularly some very funny episodes about being in the Republic of Gabon. He served as an ambassador to Gabon and also simultaneously to the nearby island republic of Sao Tome y Principe. But uh, the president of um, Gabon, Omar Bongo, is quite a colorful character, and uh, Joseph Wilson had quite a good relationship with him, and uh, I think it's worth having the book just for some of those stories. We look uh, very forward to being able to meet him when he comes out here in October, and uh, and we'd like, of course, between now and the November election to have him on a third time. Maybe we can address some of those other issues about what we didn't talk about in his book, some of the uh, some of the lighter stuff that um, that is well worth hearing about as well. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and this is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.